For those of you online, I welcome you again. Today, my sermon title is Serving Jesus. My text is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. It's printed in the New King James in your handouts for your easy reference, as well as the sermon outline so that you might follow my thoughts. Turn with me, as I always do, to Psalm 1914. So, dear Lord, this morning, <clears throat> let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Has it ever occurred to you that everything that Jesus did on this earth, he did it for us? Now think about it. You know, he was born voluntarily for us. He lived virtuously for us. Jesus lived a perfect life that he might die a perfect death and thereby secure for us the perfect salvation. And he died vicariously for us. He took on the cross that we would have taken for all eternity if we had not taken on Jesus. And so Jesus died for our sins so that we could die to our sin as well and not die in our sin. And he was raised victoriously. Jesus came out of death's dungeon holding the door in one hand and the key in the other. He did that that he might take the sting out of our death and the victory out of our grave. And one day, we look so much forward to his return for us visibly. And he's going to come to rapture the living saints. He's going to raise those dead saints, and he's going to reunite all of the saints together with him for all eternity. Now think about it. He was born for us, he lived for us, he died for us, he was raised for us, and he's coming again for us. So this morning I want to ask you each a question. And that is, what are you doing for him? You know, we can learn a lot about serving the Lord Jesus by looking at a lady whose name was not even mentioned by Mark. And yet we know from the other gospel writers that her name was Mary. And because of what she did, we're going to learn that Jesus gave her an eternal honorary membership in God's Hall of Fame. And what put her in God's Hall of Fame can put you in God's Hall of Fame. What she gave to Jesus, you can give to Jesus. And what she did for Jesus, you can do for Jesus. And I want to show you from this sweet saint what it takes to serve Jesus. And my prayer this morning is from this message that you will see that you can serve Jesus, you should serve, serve Jesus, you ought to serve Jesus, and you will serve Jesus if you truly love Jesus. You know, to serve Jesus, your outline tells us that you will need four things. A sensitive spirit, a sacrificial spirit, a steadfast spirit, and number four, a servant spirit. So begin first in your outline to consider a sensitive spirit. You know, Mary was sensitive to the needs of the Lord Jesus like no one else around her was. And how was her sensitivity developed? Well, there was two ladies in that house, Meatloaf Martha and Meditating Mary. If there had been a Bible study and a potluck planned for the church, Martha would have been preparing for that potluck 
and Mary would have been preparing for the Bible study. Now there was Martha, you can see this scene, there was Martha in the kitchen fixing supper, and she probably knew all of Jesus' favorite foods. She knew how hungry he must be. And she wanted him to have the strength that he needed to continue with his teaching and his preaching and his ministry. What she did, she thought was best, and she was definitely appropriate. But Mary knew something that the others didn't know, or at least they didn't remember. She knew that the sunshine of Jesus' life was about to be eclipsed by the shadow of the cross. She knew that his heart at this point was heavy with the burden of the cross, and she knew that he was now living within sight of the valley of the shadow of death. You see, there is a tremendous difference between Martha and Mary at this point. The difference was in what they knew about Jesus. Martha knew the stomach of Jesus, but Mary knew the heart of Jesus. And Mary was at this point more sensitive to the needs of Jesus than Martha. And while Martha was in the kitchen fixing supper for for Jesus, Mary was in the living room feeding his soul. And we read about Mary three times in the gospel. And each and every time that you read about Mary in the gospel, she is at the foot of Jesus. And Martha was doing what she thought Jesus needed to be done. But Mary was doing what she knew Jesus wanted to be done. Mary, Martha thought his body needs meat. But Mary knew that his heart needed ministering. You know, you say, when you spend time with someone, you're going to learn what they like, what they want, what they desire, what they love, and what they need. She knew what Jesus needed because she had spent time with the Lord Jesus. Just as an aside, you will never know God's will in your life until you become sensitive to his will and you become able to discern it and you will never have that sensitivity unless you spend time with him. So how was this sensitivity displayed? Notice what the Lord says about her in verse 8. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Mary knew that Calvary was coming. And she knew that the truth of the cross was at hand. And as a matter of fact, in one week, Jesus would be dead. She wanted to give Jesus a rose while he was still alive to smell it. Because she knew that very soon it was going to be nigh impossible to do anything for Jesus at that point. And I want you to imagine just for a moment that first Sunday morning, it is, it's dawn and the sun is beginning to rise and some women are making their way to the tomb. They're carrying with them some aloe, some myrrh and some spices. And their intention is to anoint the body of the Lord. They didn't have time to do that before his death. So when they get to this tomb, the the stone is rolled away and Jesus is gone. And standing there is a person or a man in, in white apparel and they ask, where is Jesus? We know what he says. He's not here. He has risen. And they say, well, we've come to anoint his body for burial. And the angel says, I'm sorry, ladies, The funeral is over. Now listen and and listen well. 
If Mary had not anointed Jesus before he died, his body would have never been anointed at all. And do you know why Mary's deed is really up there in prominence, why her, her deed was a great deed? Not only did Mary do what she could, she did it when she could. And so I believe you ought to do what you can. You ought to do the best you can. You ought to do all, of you can, all that you can, but you have to do it when you can. And secondly, in our outline, you see that to serve Jesus, you need a sacrificial spirit. And I want you to consider our text, verse 3, which states, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. And she broke the flask and poured it on his head. You know, Mary takes this tremendously costly perfume that undoubtedly she spent years saving to purchase it. And she pours it over the head and the feet of Jesus. And Mark uses two adjectives here to describe this particular ointment. This perfume he calls oil of spikenard. He uses one word that literally means genuine to let us know that it's not some kind of a blue light special, but it was the real thing. And then he uses another word to let us know that it was an extremely costly and very expensive. It was grade A perfume. Well, a vase of spikenard in those days would contain 12 full ounces and it would cost about a year's wages for the average worker. And you could take that vase and you could sell it. And you could feed hundreds and hundreds of families one meal. But she breaks this expensive flask and pours it over Jesus' body. If you think about it, there are no drops from this cup overflowing that would, Mary would give to Jesus. There are no petals from withering flowers that she wishes to adorn Jesus with. There are no mere sparks of the fire from her love that she would direct to Jesus. And no crumbs from her offerings which she lay on the bread of life. No mere minutes of her devotion which she give to Jesus. And of course, burning candles in religious settings, burning all the time, she would not light a mere candle to lighten the path of him which was darkened by malicious animosity. No, not just something that she gave. She gave her absolute best, and she gave that to Jesus. That's exactly what Mary did. And she gave her all and her very best to Jesus. But let me say it loudly and let me say it plainly for you. What Mary did, you can do. Now, you may not be able to give as much as someone else can give, but you can give all you have and you can give your best. I want you to understand, that is all God wants. God simply wants all that you have and the best that you have. And God does not grade us on a curve. God doesn't compare us with somebody else. Your best may not be as good as somebody else's best, but if you give your best to God, then your best, as far as God is concerned, is just as impressive and just as great as somebody else's best. I want you to remember that God was more impressed with the widow's might than he was with the Pharisee's gold. Now, don't you think for a moment 
That just because someone is richer than you, that they can give more to God. Don't think for a moment that someone who is more educated than you can do more for God. God wants the same thing from the pauper that he wants from the prince. He wants the same thing from the first grader that he wants from the PhD, and that is their best. But I want to be honest with you. You cannot serve without sacrifice. If you're going to give Jesus something that costs you nothing, you might as well not offer him anything. Does it cost to serve Jesus? Absolutely. See, Mary was thinking only of Jesus when she broke that vase and when she poured all the contents of that perfume all over his body. But before the last drop had hit the floor, she had to withstand a withering blast of critical fire that was coming from a hypercritical furnace. How was her work criticized? Look at our text, verses 4 and 5. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why has this fragrant oil wasted? Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. You know, his disciples were criticizing her and griping over what she had done. It apparently wasn't enough for the Pharisees who were criticizing on the outside because now we have the disciples criticizing her on the inside. And I want to give you fair warning. You're never going to do anything worthwhile for Jesus without being criticized. And you will never do anything worthwhile for Jesus if you're going to worry about what other people are going to think. See, I've learned that you just can't get away from criticism. You're going to be criticized outside the church. You're going to be criticized inside the church. And even in the church, you will discover the army will shoot at its own soldiers. And you find out here in this text that the criticism is contagious. We're told here in verse 4 that there were some who were indignant. But other Gospels tell us that it was really Judas who was leading the charge. And his solo cynicism had turned into a chorus of criticism. You know, it's so easy to join a negative crowd. Somebody will be leaving the church and say, wasn't that service great today? The sermon was meaty. The singing was wonderful. Souls were touched. What a great morning. Somebody else will then say, yes, but the preacher was too long. Before you know it, the first person is now saying, yes, you know, he's a little bit long-winded, and I do get tired of getting out of church so late. Somebody else is walking by and hears this conversation, and they will say, I couldn't agree with you more. I just can't stand it. Sometimes he preaches so long, I can't stay awake. And he preaches so loud, I can't go to sleep. (laughs) And before you know it, you have a choir of criticism singing all three verses and the chorus. This world thinks doing anything for Jesus is a waste. If a person is brilliant, they are encouraged to become a lawyer or a doctor. If that same brilliant person becomes a preacher or a missionary, the world will say, what a waste. They could have been making all this money as a doctor or a lawyer and giving some to the church. 
The world thinks anything you do for Jesus is a waste. And I'm becoming convinced that anything that you do not do for Jesus is a waste. Remember the Apostle Paul told us and stated that everything that he had done in his prior life had been rubbish. Now I want to say to young people this morning, it's never a waste to pour out your life and to give your best to Jesus. The world is so full of people who are wasting their lives, their time, and their money on things that won't be worth a Confederate nickel in eternity. By the way, you might be interested to know that the word translated waste here in Mark 14.4 is the same word that Jesus used to describe Judas in John 17.12 when he called him a son of perdition. Judas criticizes Mary for wasting money while Jesus had pointed out that Judas had wasted his life. Incidentally, I want you to notice how Mary handles the situation. She does a very, very wise thing. She keeps quiet and lets Jesus defend her. I like that. Listen, when your motives are right and your methods are pure, no ulterior motives, and you're doing what you do just because you love Jesus, you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. Now, her work was criticized by Judas, but it was commended by Jesus. But Jesus said, verse 6, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. Now, there are two different evaluations of what Mary had done. The disciples said, this is a waste. This is poor judgment. This is way too extravagant. But Jesus had a different evaluation. He said, this was a good work. You know what that should tell us? What really matters about our lives is not what other people think. What really matters is what Jesus thinks. I've said this before in other sermons, that if you please Jesus, it doesn't matter what wit whom you displease. And if you don't please Jesus, it doesn't matter what wit whom you do please. Now notice, Jesus did not say this was a big work. This was a huge work. This was a famous work. He just said this was a good work. And when you think about it, what she did was really just a little work. Expensive, but it was a very small thing. It didn't get her name in the paper. As a matter of fact, everybody else in that house criticized her for what she did. And the reason they criticized her is because they felt that, that she had done something that was a small, stupid thing. She poured out all this expensive perfume for one man. Never mind that he is the king of the universe. When she could have done a big thing and sold it and given it to the poor. Did you know that one of the greatest problems that we have in the church today is that we have so many people who want to do the big things, but you can't get them to do the little things. The prophet Zechariah asked a question long ago that we ought to be asking today, and he said this in Zechariah 4.10, For who has despised the day of small things? And I tell you, 
we had better be careful not to despise the little things. Remember, it's the little things that God uses to accomplish the big things. He used Moses' rod to defeat the Egyptian army. He used David's slingshot to overcome the giant Goliath. And he used a few loaves and a few fishes to feed thousands of people. It's not the big things that he uses. It's the little things. It's in the little things, the small things, that a person's faith and faithfulness are really seen. You see, Jesus said, he who is faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is much. And this lady had a steadfast spirit. All she cared about was Jesus. All that mattered to her was what Jesus said, what Jesus thought, what Jesus wanted, what Jesus loved. And lastly, to serve Jesus, you need a servant's heart. I want you to notice a simple statement that Jesus made, which speaks volumes about this little lady and what she did. Verse 8, Jesus said, she has done what she could. That must have impressed Jesus so much about what Mary had done. Because it believe, I believe that he was impressed because she did what she could. I want everyone here to ask yourselves this question. And the question is not, what am I doing for God? I want you to ask yourselves this question. Am I doing for God what I could be doing for God? Do you know how we're going to be evaluated at the judgment seat of God? God is not going to judge us for what we have done. God is going to judge us on what we did compared to what we could have done. And the only thing that Jesus expects us to do is what we can do. The only thing that Jesus wants you to give is what you can give. Maybe you can't sing like others can sing. Maybe you can't preach like others can preach, but you can do something. Ask yourselves, I can't do everything, but I can, pre I can do something, and whatever I can do, I ought to do, and what I ought to do, I will do. You could be singing on the praise team, are you? You could be teaching a Sunday school class, are you? You could be passing an offering plate, handing out bulletins, greeting people at the door. You're here anyway. An usher, once or twice or every two months. Are you? What about the food pantry help? What about Sunday school days outreach? What about vacation Bible school? Are you? How about coming to corporate prayer once a month for an hour? Are you? Yes, Jesus was impressed with that, what that little lady did. And he goes on to say in verse 9, As surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what this woman did will also be spoken of as a memorial to her. You know, I say to you that, that this fragrance of service that she rendered to Jesus will last forever. And let me tell you something else about Jesus and serving Jesus. Anything you do that is not serving Jesus will go up 
in a puff of smoke. But when the mountains have crumbled and crumbled into dust, and when the stars have fallen from the heavens like dried figs, when the oceans have dried up like a desert, when the stars have flamed out and don't shine anymore, then what you have done for Jesus will live and last forever. You know, someone has well said, it doesn't take much of a man to be a Christian. It just takes all that there is. If you're willing this day, this hour, to give your life to Jesus, well, Jesus will take whatever you give and whatever you have to offer, and he's going to make it into something beautiful and something good that will last forever. Amen? Service is over. Go and serve Jesus. That will be your witness. And that witness will be a great evangelical tool. We'll see you next week. Amen.